Amnesty Secret Comedy Podcast. Hello, Underbelly. Welcome to the Amnesty International Secret Comedy Podcast. I am your host, Tiffany Stevenson. For those of you expecting Susan Cowman, she can't be with us today because she's having a pussy riot of her own. <laughs> so in the honour of the Manish and Frisky Susan Cowman, here are Frisky and Manish. Hello. Thank you very much. Hello, we're Frisky and Manish. We're here to talk to you about a secret. We're about to reveal a secret, okay? Mm. Uh, there's a pop star who's currently performing. She has a secret mentor, yes. all right? And we're going to reveal this information. Because it's a secret, we don't know exactly how they met. No. So we're just going to imagine that it was something like a scene from an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. Yeah. Swung on the backyard, pull up in your fast car, whistle in my nose. Open up a beer and say get over here and play your video game. A favorite sundress, watching me. Play your video Ah, my child, you have done well. Teacher, you're here. Today might I see your face. Flattering child, you shall know me. See why in shadow I hide. Look at your face in the mirror. I am there inside. Your lips are awesome. Thank you. <laughs> we begin the music lesson with a scale. Okay. There was this girl who video guys with the girls in the change room where I finally made her. His hair had turned from black into baby. Oh my god, I can't believe it. They couldn't quite explain it, they'd always just be in the Come on! Fade mm-hmm. down, fail me now. Oh, Your turn, Lana. Somebody was driven mad by their mentor? Sarah Brightman. Uh, Sing! Sing, my angel of music. Sing really high. Oh, 
are ready. there who smashed it at the Amnesty Stand Up For Freedom gig the other night. Now, I don't know how many of our audience are aware of this, but every year, Amnesty organise a comedians versus critics football match. Football match, grudge match, whatever you want to call it. Uh, here to tell us what happened this year, the captain of the comedians team, a player with awe-inspiring tackle. Oh, <laughs> wow. A man who puts the balls into balls. It's Mark Watson. <laughs> I am pretty sexy. <laughs> he has just come on in, in a pack of mac with a coffee. That is about as sexy as it gets at the fringe, isn't Actually, it? It is with me, yeah. <laughs> you guys are lucky. Sometimes there's not even a mac. <laughs> so tell us about the game then. So, yes, so match report. Imagine the build-up. Uh, last year we were thoroughly beaten by the critics and uh, it's a pretty miserable experience because you spend your month also being beaten by critics. Uh, so there's quite a lot of... Um, there was a lot of vengeance in the air this year and there were a number of comedians that wanted to play was um around about 70 in fact, <laughs> but, um, but we checked the rule book and however you read it you are only allowed 11 despite this the critics have got a couple of really good players so it was a tense game we won 4-3 in the end 4-3 and, that's um, very good yeah i know i mean as i said all along it was all really about amnesty but that aside it was mostly about we had to win yeah. <laughs> amazing so uh, continuing on a sporting tip because you clearly like sports, uh, you're doing the Edinburgh Olympics. Yes, this is just this is the last one is tonight, in fact. It's just been a stupid series of events where comedians compete in um, uh, a mixture of things like uh, piggyback races. Uh, it's indoors, though, so it's very dangerous. There's been some nasty injuries. Uh, balancing books on head, throwing fruit at things. It's been a sort of late-night, shambolic mixture of... Um, comedy, athletics, and really stupid stuff. It's 11, everyone's drunk, and they have to throw vegetables. Oh, amazing. Uh, I like to do one thing every year that's really stupid. And, well, um, we can call it a dickabout. It's Fine. a dickabout. Yeah. Um, and I'm doing another dickabout tomorrow, actually. Um, I've, I'm launching, a, this time tomorrow, I'm launching this book of mine, which is about a wedding photographer. It's a novel. It's called The Knot, isn't it's it? It's called The Knot, and everyone has to, well, everyone doesn't have to, but I'm asking people that come to dress in wedding finery, and we're doing a sort of mock wedding um, <gasps> at St. Stephen's Church. Anyone here fancies getting married, uh, I think there will be someone there that can actually do it. So, yes, yeah. amazing. Or just cool. fancies going to a wedding or anything. Yeah, so that will keep my quotient of dickabouts up for the yeah. month, I You're think. known yeah. for the dickabout. Um, I'm the... just really, really enjoying the phrase dickabout. Yes, um... I don't think it's gaining much traction with the audience, unfortunately. No, but, um... it's not, but um, <laughs> as long as we're enjoying it. <laughs> Tiffany, we're loving it. Yeah, next year's show, Mark Watson, dickabout. I do have a tendency to... I've done an awful lot of odd things at the Fringe over the years, and I think it's important that somebody... Um, Keeps that alive. I mean, I'm not the yeah. only one. There are people like Simon Munnery, Arthur Smith, but Smith's going to be arrested sooner or later. Um, yeah. Amnesty will be fighting to break him out one of these years. <laughs> so, uh, will you stick with us, Mark? And we're going to have a bit of stand-up now. She's warmed up her funny bone. She's ready to tickle your ribs. Please put your hands together. Clap, cheer for the fantastic Jessica Fosterkew. Hello, welcome. Are we well? Good. Um, yeah, in the spirit, as Mark was saying, of... Uh, of uh, all the performers obviously still needing to be quite loose and have fun and still dick about. Um, my favourite thing I've seen so far at the festival um, has been a local joining in um, <laughs> with, that, with that fun spirit. Um, as I arrived here on the train, uh, I got off uh, and I immediately went and stood at a bus stop and there was a man who clothes-wise, totally normal, it was daylight so everyone could see him, and out of nowhere he got out a can of squirty cream <laughs> and just went for it. <laughs> 
And I thought, fuck, good on him. Do you know what I mean? A lot of respect for that lack of inhibition and that joining in. I thought, well, that's power to him. It's possibly one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Um, but then I had a closer look and it was lighter fluid. <laughs> uh, always got to remember we are still in Scotland. Um, no, <laughs> uh, I'm a big fan of oxymorons. To me, they're words that are told that they're not supposed to be together, but then they do it anyway, and I think that's a little bit romantic. <laughs> it's lovely. Do you like oxymorons, sir? Yeah. yeah? Do you know what they are? No. <laughs> if you don't know what they are, an oxymoron's a phrase that contains a contradiction within itself. So the standard examples are things like deafening silence or nice tracksuit. <laughs> there's, um, there's a lovely one on Wikipedia, uh, Microsoft Works. <laughs> Personal favourite of all time, though, Fun Run. <laughs> Walking's lovely, why rush it? I've got a great joke, actually, um, about the Jurassics. Um, I've got a really good joke about Edwardians. Uh, sadly, I can't tell you either of them, because the first thing they teach you at comedy school, as a woman, not allowed to do period jokes. <laughs> I got a groan! First groan of the podcast. Boom. Um, Apricot, uh, that word originally comes from the same root word originally as precocious. Fine, but if I was going to have any fruit down as being smug, I'd have gone for mango. <laughs> yeah. so it's talented, it's delicious, but you get the impression it knows it. <laughs> Just a little bit. Uh, to be amused, which is kind of what we're all here for, to be amused originally in its first ever form just meant to stare gormlessly. <laughs> it did. So actually, my career's going much better. <laughs> Glorious. Uh, I will leave you with that. Thank you. Enjoy your time at the festival. That was fabulous stand up. Give it up for Jess Foster Q. Now, I'm very excited about our next guest, and I think some of the gents of a certain age in the audience will be as well. Um, she knows what to do with some double sided sticky tape and an empty bottle of fairy liquid, and she's a fantastic actress and great presenter. And she looks absolutely radiant today. Please put your hands together and welcome to the stage a fantastic Janet Ellis. Oh, well, you did, you came in going, I'm all a fluster and it's raining and everything and you just look glowing and gorgeous. And I went, ah. Oh. I'm really jealous that you can challenge the critics to something, though. I can play football, but I thought, I was sitting there thinking, what could I do to really get competitive about it? I think probably ironing. Because I'm, I'm really good at ironing. I bet they're not. So I'd have a row of nice shirts. They wouldn't. It would be quite satisfying. It's just never become the spectator sport we all thought it was. <laughs> uh, do you iron, Mark? <laughs> uneasy here in the middle of some ironing stroke feminism talk um, <laughs> and I think it should be a choice for everyone um, you're pro ironing I have to say I, I don't iron a lot and nor does my wife and in fact in general I, I find it kind of a, a peculiar uh, thing to do but if I got pleasure out of it that would be different it's just um, I'm so sorry about this was there anything else you wanted to ask me yes I did no, I, I do want to ask you about I feel I've like derailed things a bit here. not at all no it's important that we're all reminded of iron <laughs> days go by and you don't even ponder it at all no no uh, Janet you're in a play called Hell's Bells by Lynn Truss I am How's it going? It's going really well. So I'm skipping around going, ooh, Edinburgh. Although I noticed this week that everybody has a distinctive laugh which ends in a wheeze because everybody has got the Edinburgh cough, haven't they? So there's a lot of sort of... <laughs> in the audience. He's the laughing, but, you know, we have to pass the Benelin round afterwards or any other 
cough syrup. <laughs> I, went, I went for the BBC for a long time. It's, just, it's a trigger reaction. Yeah. It's, it's quite full on, isn't it, the first time you do the fringe? And, yeah. and the, have you been doing the hardcore partying? Well, I am. I am let, me, let me just remind everybody, a grandmother. So, yes, I have. <laughs> there's no point in not, is there really? <laughs> I'll probably never come back again like this. I'm sure it won't be asked back. So I'm getting it all in now, yeah. Late nights till about, ooh, quarter past 12. <laughs> what is it about, Janet? It's, it's um, uh, one of those uh, fake uh, audio commentaries for a, um, a DVD for a series that never existed called Mrs Milliner, and it assembles some of the characters who, 17 years on, have no particular reason to like each other, and it's also about hats. Yeah, lots of hats. Yeah, not enough people talking about hats as well as ironing. <laughs> I'm really making this sound exciting. What's your fringe? You're ironing hats, early nights. No, I think uh, I think Edinburgh's like the theatre of dreams. That's how I feel when I come up on the train because it's the open, isn't it? In, in golfing terms, <laughs> it's, it's the open. Anyone can come, so you get some magnificent stuff, and then you get someone doing a poo in a bucket. Yeah, and people will go and pay to see that. You know, yeah, um, yeah. not not enough. Uh, I didn't have great sure. reviews for my show last year, so. Uh, <laughs> The fringe is the place to try these ideas out. Yeah, the hopes but and dreams. This is Amnesty International's secret comedy podcast with me, Tiffany Stevenson. Mark Watson is here. Janet Ellis is with us too. I'm going to ask you in the next section to reveal some secrets to us. But first, we're going to have some more stand-up comedy. Please welcome the delightful, the hilarious, the Sony award-winning podcaster, Miss <laughs> Danielle Ward. <laughs> And my show is about all the jobs that I've had. And uh, the last job I had before becoming a stand-up comedian was the economic researcher at the South Korean Embassy. Yeah, that's a pretty cool job, isn't it? Not home economics like my physics teacher would have thought back in the day. Um, and because I'm really used to calling it the Korean Embassy rather than the South Korean Embassy because that's what, that's what you have to call it, you know. Um, South Korea and North Korea are names imposed by the West. South Korea is actually the Republic of Korea and North Korea is the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. And the way you remember it is that if they have to put the word democratic in the title of a country, it generally isn't. That's how you remember. I thought it was going to be such an amazing job. And I've been there a week and this genuinely happens. So you can put it out in the podcast because it's not libel. The ambassador brought me up to, the, to his office and he said, I want to go to the Edinburgh military tattoo, but I've looked on the map and I can only find Edinburgh. Is that the same place? or a different place. And I went, oh, it's the same place. And he said, can you please check? <laughs> and I don't know how you went to check that bit of information. I said, no, no, it genu I, I can't check, it is. And he said, are you absolutely sure? And you know you get that thing going, oh, maybe it is a different place. Maybe I've been mistaken all this time. And in the end, he made me ring up the Scottish tourist board and say, um, you know Edinburgh? And they said, yes. I said, is that the same place as Edinburgh or is that a different place? <laughs> And it is the only time anybody in the public sector has ever told me to fuck off. <laughs> yeah. So well done, Scotland. So I thought it was going to be a really cool job being an economic researcher. Um, and my main job was getting rid of the mice in the file room. I went down one day, right, and they'd put a mouse in a glue, they'd caught a mouse in a glue trap, and I'd never had to deal with a glue trap before. So I thought, oh, this is a little mouse caught in a glue trap, and they really squeak if they're in a glue trap as well. I thought, oh, I'll try and free it from the glue trap, and I looked online, and you can't free a mouse from a glue, you can cut its feet off, but that's not going to help it. Um, so I was like, oh, I don't, I'm really squeamish, I didn't want to have to kill this mouse in a glue trap. And there was a patch of grass outside the embassy where loads of cats came along. 
So I thought, I'll take the glue trap outside, leave it on the patch of grass, hoping a cat would come along, go, I love mice, and here's one that can't even run away. This is the best day ever. And it was out there for about half an hour squeaking away, and my diplomat was going, you have to deal with that mouse, I can hear it squeaking. But again, I didn't want to have to kill it, so I went and got a small can of tuna fish, opened it and lay it in a circle around the mouse. <laughs> hoping that a cat would come along, go, oh, I love tuna fish, and there's a mouse for dessert. This is the best day ever. Um, and it was in there for another half an hour. No cat had come along. So um, I dropped a paving slab on it. <laughs> and that is the end of that story. <laughs> hey, life doesn't always hand you punchlines. Sometimes you just have to brick a mouse's head in. Um, thank you very much. Danielle Ward. I loved the end of that story there because it sounded like a horrific Blue Peter. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing the different ways you can dispose of mice. My boyfriend had a humane trap, uh, which he said we should use to, you know, to dispose of them humanely, and he did pretty much the same thing. Trapped it, then beat it to death with his shoe. <laughs> that kind of counteracts the point of having a humane trap, doesn't it? <laughs> so is this in your is this in one of your shows, Speakeasy or Play Dead, this story? It's in Speakeasy. Speakeasy is about all the jobs that I've had, and Play Dead is a collection of four horror stories. <laughs> but they're funny, don't worry. It's really good. Because when you, do, when you do stand-up, what I've realised is you can't really do stuff about decapitation in a normal stand-up <laughs> show, but you definitely can in a ghost story. <laughs> Janet, you and your daughter, you're, you're feminists, aren't you? We are, yes. yeah, involved with the forces. And yeah. uh, I think we've got a fairly feminist panel today. And obviously, uh, I don't know if anyone saw this yesterday, but Todd Aiken made a comment. He basically said that uh, it was impossible for women to get pregnant if it was a legitimate rape because the body has a way of shutting itself down. So there's some kind of way that you can rape-proof your vagina. You just have to hate the guy enough <laughs> and, and automatically that will happen. Men find it extraordinarily difficult to, I don't know, I'm generalising, to, to empathise with that notion because generally, and of course there are male victims of rape, but generally that act is, is a physical one perpetrated on women. Yeah, I think he was using it to justify his pro-life stance. So he was saying he was absolutely, totally against abortion. And they said, what about in the case of, of rape? And uh, the fact that a comment can be made like that by someone in a position of power, yeah. I find, yeah, horrific. Yes, there's some mm. people in the front row going, God, that's mm. it's fairly awful. It is. I think the backlash from both men and women against Tolkien's comments has been pretty swift. That's been the refreshing thing about it. That's true. I think yes. it's harder for people to get away with truly stupid or damaging comments these days. Twitter and Facebook and things have got a lot to answer for, but at least when something like this comes out, uh, witch hunt is launched fairly quickly. Sometimes it's damaging, but occasionally you feel it is justified. justified yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it would be good if uh, comedians stopped making jokes about rape, even even sort of with the uh, ironic clothing that uh, those sort of jokes are often wrapped up in as well. There's a fair amount of misogyny still in stand-up, which... Uh, hasn't really got any place in the fringe and if it was the same sort of joke applied to racist or racial groups for example you'd never get away with it but people tend certain comics tend to sort of step back from it and say just lighten up ladies it's all a joke and I, with a bit of luck in this climate and with the backlash against people like Tolikin people might start realising that you can't sort of casually touch on these sort of subjects in comedy or if you do you better really know what you're talking about I think the problem with um, a lot of the rape jokes that I've, I've seen in uh, comedy is that 
they're done by performers who kind of have the impression that they're being edgy and talking about a taboo subject yeah. but there will be people in the audience who have been abused by their partners yeah. in the same way that yeah. if you do a joke where the punchline is oh I've jizzed on a homeless man if we're being edgy <laughs> or I killed a mouse yes yeah. <laughs> people don't people haven't done that and so it's quite it's, it's quite frightening how much that is considered a taboo when actually it's a very very common thing that happens yeah. in any of, you, of the two shows that you're doing do you have any secrets do you reveal any secrets or do you have because this is part of the uh, podcast that we are asking our guests to reveal some secrets. We've had some amazing ones. We had one from Claire Sweeney, where uh, apparently she got chatted up by Bill Clinton. Yeah, that's pretty, yeah. Uh, there goes my story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I don't know, do you reveal anything in the show? Have you got um, any great secrets? There are no secrets in the show, but, right, I really love the Olympics. I was really into it. And so I tweeted all the way through the opening ceremony and I tweeted all the way through the closing ceremony and I was quite drunk. And you know when Russell Brand came out doing I Am The Walrus, I tweeted, I've had sex with him. <laughs> but who hasn't? <laughs> I mean, come on. And I couldn't, you know, when you think, oh God, I really shouldn't have written that. So that's uh, my secret. That's amazing. <laughs> what I liked about that was that one person in the audience was impressed. Just oh, one I woman. I know. Everybody else was disgusted and appalled. <laughs> Quite right too. Have you had sex with? No, none? but I do think he's attractive. I can. I genuinely can see it from a from a woman's point of view. And I've been. Uh, uh, you know. It's quite snake hipped, isn't he? Yeah, and he's got a certain sort of rough earthiness, despite STD all the STD charm. Yes, yeah, he's got a, slight, a certain disease-ridden uh, appeal. I, I can see why. I can see why he works his magic on people. Definitely. How long ago yeah. was that, Danielle? This was in two thousand and four. Janet, do you do you, do you, how do you feel but about Russell? Russell? Do you think? Yeah. No, uh, no he, I know he casts his net pretty wide, but he has oh, a, thanks, uh, Janet. <laughs> just saying. But, um, <laughs> no, no grandmothers so far. Um, so you know, maybe this this would change his mind. Have you got any grandmother secrets, Janet? <laughs> well, I had to choose really because this was this was thrust upon me when I came in and. I'm, I'm not going to name names. I can't keep saying thrust when we're talking about okay. Russell Brand. Yeah. I can. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's sort of oblique secrets. Like I, I did have an affair with a Radio One DJ. I'm not saying which one. No, was I'm it not. Smash or Noisy? <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. No, I'm not saying which one because um, I'm never going to write it. But I like to call this is Grist for my autobiography. Chris Evans. <laughs> yeah. Should we just keep guessing? Yeah. 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 Whoa. Uh, well, yeah. Tony um, Blackburn. Yeah. No. Oh, oh, no. hang on a minute. No, you'd be able to tell if you ever named him, I would blush. So well, that's why we're trying. Yeah. DLT. But, uh, no. Oh, no. No. but uh, we, we do want to get a confession out of, uh, out of Mark Watson. What's Never your... mind that, I'm just trying to think who else has been on Radio 1. <laughs> um, well, uh, I, uh, this is... Follows on from uh, Danielle's mouse tale. I, I was once in trouble with the law over a uh, dead mouse uh, because I this is uh, same thing. We used a humane trap, had the mouse in the trap, but um, it was quite firmly wedged in there. I had to dispose of it somewhere. So I went into this is in South London. And I found this sort of uh, area of bushes around a church. It shouldn't have been a church looking back, but there we go. <laughs> um, and I was just I was like shaking this mouse trap. The mouse was wedged in there. And these two cops approached and said, excuse me, so what are you up to? And I realised that they'd just seen me sort of... In a bush. I, I had to wander around. I, luckily, I said, oh, I've got a mouse in a trap. And they fell about laughing. And the guy said, oh, we thought it was much worse than that. Um, so I was this close to being um, convicted of wanking into a bush when really, I was just trying to dispose of a mouse corpse. <laughs> 
apparently that's part of the thing when you get these mouse traps is that you are supposed to um, shake them to disorientate the mouse and let it go, and it can't find its way back. I've never actually heard of a glue trap. How does it not? No. Oh, it's just it's a little cardboard thing. It's got a layer of glue and the mouse gets stuck Ooh. and then you have to smash it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I didn't invent them. Really, Amnesty should be involving itself with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel it's a big cause. Uh, so, now we've made it very heavy, we're going <laughs> to... Good luck, guys. We've <laughs> <laughs> um, We'll close the show with another song for Frisky and Manish. So we're going to raise the roof, raise your spirits and welcome back to the stage. Clap cheer for the fantastic Frisky and Manish. Lovely. Well, hello everyone again. Isn't this good? No, we we wanted to round off with one final big secret from the world of pop, which concerns Rihanna. Yes, Rihanna does not write her own songs. <gasps> okay, that's clearly not a secret. Um, what is a secret, however, is who does actually write her material. And we're going to reveal this information to you with a very rarely heard original demo version of one of her biggest hits. I like when you take 
Time to thank all my guests today. We've had Mark Watson, Janet Ellis, Danielle Ward, Jessica Fosterkew, and of course, Frisky and Manish. I've been Tiffany Stevenson. Thanks a lot for listening. I'm Richard Melvin, the producer of this secret comedy podcast. We really hope you liked it. Amnesty stands up for freedom of expression. If you want to continue hearing Hugh Edwards say things like Pussy Riot on the 10 o'clock news, then you need to do your bit to help us. You can do this by texting the word SECRET to 70555 to donate £3. That's the word SECRET to 70555. Texts cost £3 plus one standard message. Refer to your tariff for details. Amnesty UK receives at least £2.85 from every £3 donated. Over 18s only. Please ask bill payers permission. See full terms and conditions at amnesty.org.uk slash SMS terms. Go on. You know it makes sense. Amnesty's Secret Comedy Podcast is a Dabster production for Amnesty International.